Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Good morning, Vertical Church. Um, Sometimes our schedules, we plan them out and we try to be faithful, but they don't exactly always work right. And there is such a strong presence of the Holy Spirit here right now. The presence of the Lord is here. And so we need to stop for a minute and you need to stand with me and let's just praise our Savior. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We honor you. We thank you that you are here with us today. We thank you that you have been with us from the beginning of this day and that you are here already speaking to us, already speaking words and singing songs to our hearts and our spirits and reminding us of who you are. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, welcome to the final um, message in our I'm Not Blank Enough series. I am Pastor Kelly. I am the Connections Pastor here at Vertical Church. And we are really glad that you're here today. Um, for those of you who are visiting today who might have missed the intro, uh, Pastor Josh, the lead teaching pastor, is, um, is on vacation this week. Our lead organizational pastor, Pastor Brian, is here today. Um, But we are really glad to have you, and um, today our blank is, I'm not satisfied enough. How many of you have ever been in that position, I'm not satisfied enough? Yeah. And when we were discussing the topic in staff meeting, Pastor Josh said, you know, that really reminds me of the U2 song, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And you know, what he didn't know is that even recently in my life, when we moved here to the Hampton Roads area, the Lord really used that song that to point out, I'm not satisfied. I was not satisfied with my life. And I kept thinking about that song over and over because as I would listen to it, I would hear, um, hear the lyrics um, of, you broke the bonds, you loosened the chains, you carried the cross of my shame, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And how many times Do we do that in our lives? We know the price he paid. We know that he bore the cross, that he bought our freedom, but yet we still aren't satisfied with what he's given. And I want to talk to you today about that because I think a lot of that has to do with our perspective and the way we think about life. And so I'm going to um, just jump right into that today because we don't have a lot of time and I think I wrote a really long message, so I know you guys don't want to sit here a long time. But I want you to know that I really believe that God has outlined some very practical steps in his word that we can take to find that satisfaction in our lives. So if you have your Bibles today, if you will turn with me to Isaiah 55, if you don't have your Bible and you bring your electronic devices, you can go to YouVersion, go to Live, and search for I'm not satisfied enough, the scriptures will be there, or you can always look on the screen and the scriptures will be there. So Isaiah 55, and you know I like long passages, so we're going to read the whole chapter. Here we go. Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. 
Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. If you were here for the Revelation series, those words should sound familiar to you. I think God likes those words. Covenant and you will live. He likes those words a lot. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, because he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields a seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever." Now, this particular scripture is about the nation of Israel. And God's people, they have a somewhat sordid past. They were slaves to the Egyptians for so very long. And in the not-so-distant past, they were being attacked and persecuted by the Assyrians for no reason at all. And so the Israelites are hearing this word and rejoicing that God's deliverance is coming to them. And because his deliverance is coming... All of the nations are going to rejoice. Even the trees and the fields are going to know. But even knowing this, the Israelites experienced what I'm going to call the Jonah problem or the Jonah effect. Because what happened is God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. But instead of being obedient, Jonah ran back to what he knew because it was safe and secure And the Israelites had that same problem. When God rescued them from Egypt, they complained to Moses. They said, let us go back to Egypt. Because even in Egypt, we had food. Instead of facing the desert and the wasteland to get to the promised land where they knew their freedom was secured. How often do we do that ourselves? And even the disciples... Even the disciples themselves who walked with Jesus, who saw the things he did, they they asked for a sign, a great sign. They were expecting a great sign. Even after Jesus died and rose again, the early church, they were waiting. They were looking for this great sign of the kingdom. But Jesus said, the kingdom is drawing nigh. The signs of my kingdom are already here. And so in all of these situations, 
they have filled their blank with, I'm not satisfied enough. And satisfied really encompasses all of the things that we've talked about. I'm not mom enough. I'm not parent enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not this. If you are filling your blank with something today, I really believe that this is going to kind of wrap things up for you and help you move to a new place. So let's look closely at Isaiah 55, and I think we will, if you look with me, that you will see what God says. The first, it says, come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Come, how many have ever been thirsty, not satisfied, and you just want that drink? And what does he say? If you're thirsty, he says, come. But what happens is we fall into these cycles in our life where we look at God's salvation and we think of it as an initial moment in our lives where we say, yes, Lord, you are my savior. I accept Jesus as the savior of my life. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again. And we stop there because we've got our foot in the door. And what we fail to realize is that he continues to save us moment by moment and day by day from ourselves from the world around us, from the things that are happening every day, from the evils of this world. And so what has to happen is we must become a people who are open to seeing the holy in our everyday lives. In our everyday lives. We've all heard the saying, carpe diem, right? Well, we're going to flip that on its head, carpe deum, seize his presence. It's more about seizing his presence than it is seizing the day because we have to be aware that he is with us in every single moment, calling us to come, come to the waters, drink, buy, eat, enjoy the life that he's given you. And I think so many times we get wrapped up in this cycle of going to work and going to pick up our kids from school and taking them to soccer practice and taking care of babies and not sleeping at night because you're getting up 10 times with your babies, all you young moms. And you get in this cycle and you fail to wake up and realize that his presence is not just here on Sunday morning, but his presence is with you every step of the way. So if you are thirsty, he says, come. So my question for you today is if you are unsatisfied, are you looking for his presence to be evident in your normal everyday life? Are you waiting for the writing on the wall or that great sign? Because he says the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here. Come because the promise he made to David is for you. He says in that scripture, he says that he has honored David. And he honors you in that very same way because he made the covenant. And the invitation is there, but you must come. That requires action on your part. And what I want to say to you today is when he calls you to come, sometimes that means going to Nineveh. 
Sometimes that means walking through the wasteland, through the desert to get to the promise. Sometimes that means watching your Savior crucified and not knowing if he's going to get up out of the grave until you actually see him at the door with the hands and his feet with holes in them. Sometimes coming to the water means uncertainty. It means walking a path that doesn't feel safe and secure. And so my question is, instead of experiencing that freedom and having your thirst quenched, are you going to be Jonah and get caught in the belly of the whale? Or are you going to go to Nineveh and not only free yourself, but free a nation? Do you see what I'm saying this morning? Let's move on. Second, seek. Seek the Lord. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and our God and to our God for he will freely pardon. Seek the Lord while he may be found. And I'm going to break this down for you real quickly because if you aren't satisfied and you begin to seek God, here is the question I want you to ask. And I'm going to look at my notes, and I'm going to read this because I want to read it correctly. How does my work connect to God's work in the world? How does my work connect to God's work in the world? And here are three ways God is always at work on the world. He is a provider. He is at work standing against evil. And he is at work renewing all things. And I want to tell you what's happened is we have come into a society where we have this growing disconnect between what we do and what we believe. And we look at it as just a job or something we do to pay the bills. But my question to you is how are you at work with God in the world? If you're a truck driver, it might look something like this. If you are a truck driver for Harris Teeter and you are delivering food to the grocery store, Are you participating in God's work of providing for his people? We all have to shop at the grocery store or a market or someplace, right? If you're a farmer, are you providing for God's people? Two, if you're a cop or a security guard or a public defender, are you at work helping God stand against evil and corruption in this world? I want you to turn things on its head. If if you are a mom. You are at work renewing all things all the time. (laughs) If you are like me, you have a daughter who recycles everything and creates something new. If you work on lawns or if you work at a recycling plant, you may literally be turning beauty into ashes. And see, what happens is we've created this great big disconnect and we say, this is just a job I do, especially in this economy. Well, I'm just doing this because I have to put food on the table just to meet my needs. But you know what? How are you participating in God's work in the world? Because I would dare to say to you, most of you get trapped in looking for this extraordinary life, your best life now, and you want to read the scriptures and you want to apply them to your life. But you've got to be faithful in the little things. You've got to see him at work in your world, in your present reality. Because then 
you can live an extraordinary life. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that God doesn't call us to do great things because God does. He calls us to live radical, missional, important lives. Those are big words right now, right? But you know what's even more important than being radical and being missional? Being faithful. Being faithful with what's in your hands, with what he's given you. Because the reason we aren't satisfied is because we're always looking for the next big thing instead of looking for the great thing he's already placed in your hand. That doesn't mean you're not looking and moving. Because see, there's two types of dissatisfaction in this life. The first is a dissatisfaction that comes because you are discontent and you're just an unhappy person. The second is the discontent that God places in you when he is trying to move you to a new place. Does that make sense? And what you have to understand is which type of discontent is happening in your life. Is this the discontent that God is pushing me because he has something more for me? Or is this discontent because I can't recognize that he is with me because I don't like it? Because you know what? Sometimes I don't like being a mom, but I'm still a mom, and I still clean up, and I still go to bed tired, and I still wake up at 15 months in the middle of the night with my little girl. But it's because that's what he's put in my hands to do. And you have to know that what you are doing is part of the work that God has in the world. Wow, I just totally skipped my notes there. So sorry. <laughs> um, I do have some scriptures that go with this. So um, I'll, I'll read those right now. Um, Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. And this is just some scriptural background to what I was saying because it's not just passion inside of me. It is God's word. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For when you are dead, where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge or wisdom. So you better do what you can do now. And if you look with me at Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Here's the kicker. As working unto the Lord, not for human masters. It doesn't matter what you do. You may have a boss, and you may not like your boss, but ultimately what you do, you have to do it unto God. It says, because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It is really hard when you want to be recognized in this life, when you want that raise or you want that promotion, all the things that we've talked about, you want the praise of those around you. You want people recognizing, hey, give me a pat on the back. This is who I am, what I've done. And it's really hard when you have to have the character of Christ and realize that ultimately your reward is with him. And sometimes we don't ever see that on this earth. So if you want satisfaction, seek. Seek him while he can be found. And remember, his thoughts are not your thoughts. But he says his word will not return empty, just like the seed is planted and watered and grows to make bread. His word 
is the same way. It will accomplish and achieve the purpose for which it was sent. Worship. Right here, let's read the last verses. I have to get back to Isaiah. It says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. And we've talked a little bit about this before, but our lives are worship to our creator. And if we can come and have our thirst quenched, and if we can seek him while he can be found, and we can understand as we seek him that we have a place in his work in the world, then we can worship him. Do you see the cycle that's happening there? As we worship him, our thirst is filled. As our thirst is filled, we continue to seek him. We continue to understand and we move back into worship because that's where we are able to claim and proclaim who he is and what he does and how we respond to him in thankfulness and joy. Do you see that cycle going on right there? Because I want to tell you a little bit about worship. We haven't talked a lot about this, but I want to talk to you about some of the roots of worship in the Hebrew and the Greek. There are two major words for worship. And the first says that with our body language, we show respect and submit. We bow down. We bow down to worship. We submit. And the second has an element of service to it where it says, Lord, we will do what you want us to do. We will carry out your instructions. We will serve you. And there are three ways that we do this in worship. Number one, speaking. That's why we sing his praises. That's why we come in here. I want to tell you what I loved about worship this morning. I loved that they made you hear your own voice singing his praises. Because you know what? You need to sing his praises. This is not a concert, but it is a place where we stand together and we worship and we lift our voices, glorifying his name. And we express our gratitude with our mouths. So not just when we're singing songs of worship, but when we leave this place, how do we expect, express that gratitude with our mouths, with the things we say? The second is listening. That's why we take time to listen and be quiet. Because if we're worshiping him and praising him and seeking him, then he is listening to us. But we have to assume that he, if he's listening to us, that we should be listening to because he probably has something to say, something he wants us to hear. And if we don't take time to listen, you'll never get the answer. You'll never get the answer if you don't take time to still, still, not steal, still your heart, to be still in his presence. You know, right now we're in the process of having to move from the house that we've lived in for five years, and it's really a test 
of my faith, and I'm having to live out worship in my everyday life, and I'm pulling up scriptures. You think just because somebody stands up here and delivers a message to you, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle just like you do, because I have to get these devotions. I've been to you version, and I've been scouring. I need devotions on faith. I need devotions on trust. I need to be reminded of who you are, oh God. And you know what? It doesn't matter that he's been faithful over and over and over again. And I look back and I see that, but yet I still question, are you going to do this for me, Lord? Are you going to do this for me? But you know what? He's been drawing me back again to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, where he says, even when we are faithless, he is faithful because he must be true to who he is. His nature to us is faithfulness. And I think we fall into this trap. We have this problem that we believe in God. We believe everything he says he is, but we believe it for everybody else. God, you'll do this for them because you like them. (laughs) And then we're like, but do you like me? I did this and I did that. And I wasn't so kind and I yelled at my kid. And he says, sometimes I just want to make you happy. Ding, see, that's proof. (laughs) That was him saying, yes, sometimes I just want to make you happy. Thank you for that confirmation. Um, (laughs) I think that's a really hard lesson to learn. It's a really hard lesson to learn in faithfulness that God is faithful to us, not just everybody else. Not just to the ancients who were that we read about in the Bible. Because you know what? If you really get out God's word and you really start reading it, there were some messed up people. We talked about that. We talked about Jacob and Leah and Rachel. I mean, you take one woman out of the equation and you've got a lot going for you, right? Because you only have a marriage between two people, not three. You know? And so there's a lot that we look at and we... we we get so removed from who he is and from his word. And so my encouragement to you today is make your life a life of worship. And the, after you listen, do. That's why we raise our hands to praise him. Because we're offering our lives in submission. We are offering our everything that we have. We are going to serve him and we want to honor him and show him with our body language that we appreciate who he is and that whatever that service looks like. You know, I've, the Lord has really been dealing with me about this because there's a lot, a lot in our society about living an extraordinary life. And I believe that a lot of you are discouraged because you keep searching for that extraordinary and you keep looking for the bigger and the better And you get trapped in this fear and this loss, and you're never satisfied enough. Because I believe you're looking for his satisfaction in the wrong places. And I can tell you this, a lot of times it may not look like 15 minutes of fame. Sometimes it looks like I have invested in three people in my life. And these three people don't just know Jesus, but they are disciples. 
They serve him. They worship him. They do what he asks them to do. They are faithful to their family and their children. They are faithful to their boss. Their life is an extraordinary witness to those around them. See, I'm going to start closing out now, but he asks us to come. And he asks us to seek. And he asks us to worship. And so I want to tell you this morning that, you know, we've been talking about I'm not satisfied enough. My raise isn't big enough. My money that I make isn't big enough. My promotion wasn't big enough. My husband didn't notice what I did this week when he was gone. My husband didn't notice what I did this week when he was here. Um... (laughs) My wife doesn't know, that she doesn't understand what I do when I go to work. She doesn't understand how hard I work. You know, my kids don't appreciate the things I do for them. Um, so many things that we've talked about during this, um, during this series. And, you know, we want a life that everyone envies, We want to read the books and we want to be able to quote a scripture or follow a plan to have this kind of life or do this kind of thing. But what happens is we fail to calculate the cost of an extraordinary life. We don't realize that an extraordinary life comes when we are able to deny ourselves and display the image of God. It says he created us in his image. He created them male and female in his image. What does that look like? Because I think a lot of times it looks more like humility than the spotlight. It looks more like faithfulness to death on a cross than it does being envied by your peers or a raise or a promotion. Faithfulness and extraordinariness might look like going to Nineveh. That is the worst place you can imagine being. But God has your freedom there. He has the freedom of a nation there. He has the freedom for you when you are able to walk through that desert and you are parched and thirsty to say there is a well that will not run dry on the other side if you will just keep pressing through. There's a promise that says, I am coming back. But until I come back, my kingdom is breaking into this earth. And if you will just recognize me, I will do wonders. I will do wonders. I will heal you. Not just your physical healings. We believe in that. But I'm going to heal your heart and your mind and your soul. All that damage that people have done that have spoken into you. You who were abused. You who were taken advantage of. You who have been hurt by the people you love most. I have healing for you on the other side. I have healing here and now because my kingdom, my spirit, my presence is in your midst. See, the extraordinary stays tucked away until we become willing to die to ourselves. So calculate the cost. Do you really want an extraordinary life 
Or are you going to continue to chase the wrong things? Because we forget where our image should come from. And we look in the mirror and we look for a counterfeit image. We look at something that the world has to offer and we become less and less satisfied with who we are because instead of seeing him, we keep seeing us. And as long as you look in that mirror and you see who you are and not who he is, you'll never live an extraordinary life. You'll never be satisfied and you'll never get to the point of understanding who you are. Because just like we've talked about through this series, it's not about who you are, but who he is, who he created you to be, who he designed you to be. He created a work for your hands. And some of you are doing it and you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that you're not just in a job, that God didn't give you math smarts just because, because people need your help. They need your help to know how to use their money. And that's a God-given gift. God didn't just create you to know how to deliver babies, Beth. You do more than deliver babies. I've watched you pray. I've watched. He gifted you to do that. And you need to know that. There are some of you in here you may not know yet. And it's okay. You may have lived your entire life not knowing, but you've been faithful in what he put in your hands to do. And you know what? It looks a whole lot like faithfulness. You see, satisfaction comes when we realize that the extraordinary life looks more like being faithful than the blank you are trying to fill. Satisfaction comes when we realize that the extraordinary life looks more like being faithful than the blank you are trying to fill. So I challenge you, I challenge you today, carpe diem, seize his presence. Don't just try to get the most out of every day, but get the most out of every day because you recognize that he is with you walking with you, that he has ordained your hands, that the work you are doing is unto the Lord and that you have a reward, that you may not see it, but it is there and it is waiting for you. Because see, if you come, if you are thirsty, only he can satisfy. Only he breaks the bonds. Remember what we talked about in the beginning? He breaks the bonds. He looses the chains. He died on the cross. And he wants those things from you. The question is, do you have the courage to have a big enough view of God and find your satisfaction in him? Because it's not about having a big enough dream or a big enough vision But it's about having a big enough view of God's work in this world. And this is becoming more and more clear to me every day. When I was in high school, had some ladies come up to me and they said, Kelly, they said, you look at this little thing and that little thing. And God says he wants you to see the big picture. And it didn't ever make sense to me. That was told to me when I was in high school. High school. 
It made sense to me when I was writing this sermon. Made sense. That's how God works. Because you know what they said to me, Kelly? If you don't understand this, put it on a shelf. Just don't forget it's there. If you can't understand this, just put it there. One day you'll get it. I got it. God, you are at work in this world. How do I fit in? Because that's where I find my satisfaction. In fitting in to his work in this world. You know what? I have lived a life of I'm not satisfied enough. I don't live that life anymore. Sometimes I struggle with it. And God reminds me. And I think probably some of you are like me. And so I'm just going to ask you today, if that's you, if you're not satisfied enough, I want you to stand up because I want to pray for you today. Just go ahead right now. Just stand up. If that's you, you feel like you're not satisfied enough, you feel like you're searching, that you haven't quite figured out what it is, he has satisfaction for you. He has the water, the living water that flows from the throne of God. And he invites you to come and drink and buy. He said, I don't care if you have money. If you have no money, come and buy and eat and be filled and rejoice in what I have to offer. Because that's who he is. That's who he wants us to be. So if you'll just bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing and of faith over you. Lord, we love you. We know that you are the giver of life, that your water never runs dry, that you fill us with every good thing. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would convict our hearts when we are dissatisfied. Lord, when we can fill in that blank with I'm not satisfied enough, Lord, challenge us to come to the water, to drink, to seek your face, and to live lives of worship that are worthy of the calling that you placed on us when you formed us in our mother's womb. You said, I have a design, I have a purpose for you. And you know what? You are the caller. You have given each of us a vocation. You have given us a vocation, a vox, a call. But you are the caller, oh God. And so you are the one we answer to, oh Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that you would quench thirst. That those who are unsatisfied, Lord, would find a new place of satisfaction in you. Lord, for those who are in the place of seeking, who are trying to figure out what it is that they do, how they participate in your work in the world, Lord, give them wisdom. Give them understanding. Help them see you and hear you clearly, Lord Jesus. And Lord, for those who have come to a place of understanding, let us lift our hands, our voices, our lives in worship to you, O oh God. Let the things we say, let the things we do, the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. 
God, let us find the extra in the ordinary of our lives. Let us decide. Let us know clearly if you are pushing us to something new. And Lord, if you are, let us be like Jacob and not let go until you bless us. Until we understand, until our physical body is marred with the scar of talking and wrestling and meeting with you and knowing that we are forever changed because of your presence in our lives. Lord, we love you so much. And I just pray a special blessing on this people this morning. God, I believe that there are people here who desire to know you and live lives of faithfulness. And I pray that you would bless that and honor that and let them see the reward of your hand working in their lives. Make it evident even now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate your time this morning. And I really believe that God is going to just continue to take us to a different place where even more people are finding that life in Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.